Welcome. You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Nordics, a podcast constructed to enrich our tech community by connecting some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I am Christopher Asbridge, and I help connect businesses with talented freelancers, and I will be your host. We're going to start off with Michael's question. So do you mind if you give us a brief introduction about yourself, Michael? Sure. So, so what's brief? Like I can do 15 minutes. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just a two-minute introduction to yourself. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, hi, I'm uh, Michael Barros. I am the uh, head of technology at uh, Storytel, a company that does streaming of audiobooks and ebooks. Um, I started my career as an engineer back in video game development, and have, but I was always super passionate about leadership, and you know, it's it's it just went downhill from there. That's 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 about the short version. Okay, fantastic. And also joining me today, I have Nicholas. Nicholas, can you introduce yourself as well, please? Hi, yeah, I'm uh, Nicholas Arben. I'm a CTO at uh, BookBeat, a competitor to uh, Michael. Uh, we also do uh, audiobooks and uh, ebooks in uh, all over Europe. Uh, my background: I'm uh, also engineer, uh, software engineer. I've been working for about 14 years, writing code professionally. Been doing all the kind of roles, everything from uh, business intelligence to uh, straight up uh, lead roles, uh, different agile roles, when the, that was the thing. Um, and for the last five years, uh, I've been uh, working at uh, BookBeat. Okay, thank you very much. And next, Frederick. Yeah, hello guys. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me on the on the show. Uh, so, Frederick Broman, I'm uh, one of the engineering directors at Tink. A uh, company in the uh, open banking space, fintech. Uh, been there for about six months now and enjoy myself quite a lot. I uh, also got an engineering background, uh, but hand on heart, it was actually quite a long time since I did actual engineering work. It's the last uh, 15, probably a bit more, I've been doing more of the stuff that we're going to talk about now. Uh, leading uh, engineering product management organizations in one form or shape. Um, so very much looking forward to the discussion today. Oh, fantastic. Thank you very much. And last but not least, Selma, can you introduce yourself as well, please? Hi, everyone. I'm uh, Selma and, I, uh, and I'm initially or started as a software engineer, but I haven't been doing any uh, development myself in eight or nine years. I currently work at Easy Park as a senior engineering manager, um, making cities more livable, uh, working mainly with the uh, app team. So, um, yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Right, guys, the reason why we've organized this podcast today is to talk about leadership. I've asked you all to bring a question, and we're just going to delve straight into it, and we'll go with Michael's question. Now, Michael, you approached me with a number of questions. The first question that you brought uh, or the, one of the main questions that you brought up was scaling trust and autonomy in expert-driven organizations. Important for uh, for any company as they grow rapidly. All of you have come with companies for the experience of rapid growth, and it's something that we have worked extensively on as well. What are your thoughts on this, and how do you work with it today? That is Michael's question. Do you care to explain a little bit more about what you mean with this question, Michael? Yeah, I, I can do that. So for me, it's really the core of like a, a startup start startup starting off right with this small team, maybe a couple of developers, a designer. They once built the entire startup, the entire tech from scratch, and as the the company scales, this team won't have the freedoms and the areas of responsibilities they once had, of course, because some of these areas of responsibility and some of these decisions are going to be starting to be spread out across specialists in the company instead, such as. You know, product managers, UX researchers, architects, and, and many more. Uh, but my experience is also that the talents that actually desire autonomy and impact are some of the best talents I've ever worked with. So how do you, you know, retain some of that autonomy in a company that obviously has to still scale and go beyond the, the small startup, right? So I, I hope that makes it a bit clearer. Okay, thank you. So, so Nicholas, what, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, we've doing, been doing a similar journey uh, at BookBeat. I, since I, I pretty much built the team, the tech team up from uh, 2015 and onwards. And it's, it's, I guess it's a really simple answer, but you don't need to scale that fast. 
there's uh, there's no real reason to push that fast. And if you need to push a bit faster to scale, make sure that you align it with your your technology so that you can have autonomous teams that working with pieces of your uh, company that makes sense to be isolated in some way. And they, they then they, that team can run fast and scale that way too. Uh, another thing that we do and work work a lot with is uh, rotations. So for all uh, professionalists uh, that uh, uh, we have um, in multiple teams, for instance, you know we're going to have backend developers in multiple teams, and we have frontend developers in multiple teams, and uh, those will never be permanently fixed to those teams. So we'll rotate them on pretty much a yearly basis based on uh, you know what the individual needs to grow and uh, what we see that is the best for for the company and that that's make sure that uh, the team can't rest and everybody has to take a big part because uh, we don't want you to be in a position where you know everything and everything revolves around you and new people that come in they don't um, get the trust and the experience to do complicated things uh, and this is something that promotes that because there's not going to be somebody in the team that's been there for four or five years and knows everything and how everything works. Okay, so I'm just curious, Michael, because obviously uh, Nicholas works at BookBeat is really be competitor of Storytel. What are your thoughts on Nicholas' views on this? I, th I think it's a great answer and obviously really important. Uh, we're also working very similarly in product teams and, and uh, still, of course, having the team ownership. But to me, it's also this challenge where, let's say, this, this senior, really passionate developer that once made a majority of product decisions together with, with well, or, or maybe even alone, right? Like back in the day when there was maybe only one developer, maybe it was just the, the founding CDO, right? Yeah. Um, and now that of course developer or i mean that story doesn't doesn't work anymore in a bigger organization there are more stakeholders business stakeholders product managers just kind of you know retaining maybe maybe this is even touching a bit on frederick's question later um uh kind of like retaining this this passion engagement and this autonomy right for the individual developer maybe if i put it that way okay fantastic then frederick what are your thoughts on michael's comments no, I, I mean, I think this is a great question, right? And I think any any company who's growing at, at any sort of decent speed will run into these kind of issues, right? That you have people who absolutely thrive in this small startup environment. And once you hit a certain size, they're going to find themselves um, well, limited in one way or another because there are other people who will have opinions about things that whereas they could be the ones decided deciding everything uh, by themselves more or less before, right? Um, I think there are a couple of answers to it, or, well, I wouldn't be daring to say answers, but a few ideas anyway. And, uh, I mean, the first idea, uh, which I think is true also for, for those kind of people, is that um, you, you can discuss what kind of uh, problem space and kind of decisions are actually fun to work within. So given an example, when autonomy starts to disappear, one of the things that happens is usually that you, uh, you're no longer allowed to pick all your tooling because it makes more sense to centralize tooling decisions so all teams use the same setup instead of each team f figuring out how to do it by themselves. And for senior people, actually, at some point, not being part of the tooling selecting process and figuring everything out with pipelines and deployments, et cetera, you know, that might not be the core skill that they want to develop. It could be that you could sort of ask them to take on a larger role in the uh, business logic or uh, customer facing um, uh, tasks instead and, and give them a, a larger freedom in that area and sort of uh, ask them to step away from certain aspects of what they did before. So that's, I think that's one strategy. But the other strategy is, uh, and I see this at other companies as well, we do it at Tink where we introduce roles that are more free floating. Um, they could be called staff engineers or something similar that aren't actually part of a team. They're typically reporting directly to the CTO or to uh, engineer director or something like that. And they have a much more free, free role to decide what are the larger 
tech challenges the company are facing that you want to work on. And together with sort of manager and other senior engineers to decide which projects you want to uh, deep dive into, and you basically let them let them run with it. And I I see uh, I see great benefits from having people like that that around. Okay. Does anyone have any comments on Frederick's point there? Everyone agree with? I can just jump in and say, I, I think this was a great answer and uh, something that has helped us a lot as well. We're giving this kind of um, separate strate new strategic responsibility to kind of compensate for some of the original responsibilities disappearing has really helped us retain key talent in, in key roles. I, I think that was a beautiful example. Sure. Guys, don't be scared to just jump in and, and say something once someone's finished speaking. Feel free to share your own views and points of what the last person's uh, speaking. Honestly, just, just jump straight something, in. Something that's helped us, uh, I'm not sure you, you can decide if it's related or not, but I think I, I think it's, it's related and it's about the culture and what we do together. Uh, something that's been the most important thing for me, at least, uh, building BookBeat and building the team is to have everybody working towards the same goal. And that's also everybody else knows that it, it is a shared goal and that makes we can reason about it between teams. So that means that even, uh, you know, that developer who used to want to things to go really, really fast, you know, with, with the shared values, sometimes that developer will know, okay, it's time for me to step back or either help another team and jump in all hands on deck, or uh, this, is, this is something that I can talk about because this is actually really important to the company. So, uh, never ever also having teams compete with each other for things. Uh, there should be no competition between teams, even if it can be fun and games and stuff. I think it's detrimental to the overall performance. Um, uh, just, it's it's a lot easier to make decisions. Some, some of the things, I say it's something that we really haven't seen because there there's no not been a team that's going to get no to be able to do something that they want to do the, because they know how to you know make sure what is important uh, and if we all operate on the same values what is important within the company uh, it's it's also really easy to talk to other teams or management or product owners and uh, get it done and um, uh, they, they, they have a lot of leeway in, in deciding what to do and it usually turns out uh, really good when when they exercise that right. Okay, fantastic. Sam, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm thinking about um, trust and autonomy. Now I'd like to start talking about autonomy because in my world, um, the, when I talk about autonomy, I think about teams since team are the smallest the smallest cell of delivery. I don't think about autonomy of individuals within a team. Um, and I think it's very empowering to the team because we, we want, I mean, I don't see that we want individuals to own products or to own the code. We want the teams to guard and protect the code. Um, so uh, I, I, I have seen and I understand that in especially starts up, we, we have individuals that uh, take a lot of decision regarding the technology. And as we scale, that is not scalable because we are much, much more teams people and we need to create a more collaborative environment and take decisions together. So it is a challenge. And I think, or it's individuals then that need to learn and become more adaptable and adapt to this new setup and environment. And I think it was Frederick who mentioned that, uh, that the, these individuals who are experts on the product, for example, for example, can be, uh, can lead, let's say, for example, chapters of competencies where they teach about the, the code, where they teach about the engineering practices uh, and, and um, together brainstorm about tooling and technology and etc. Uh, and if they are not um, open to being more adaptable to this new setup and, and to delivering and uh, adapting and being more flexible with the company, new goals and ways of working, then maybe it's not the right place for them. And that is fine too. Um, and I'm thinking about trust 
as uh, something that we built through transparency, uh, not making a special treatment for people, but being more open with our decisions and, and uh, creating an open discussion and being honest and giving feedback and sharing our points of view with everybody. Um, so that's, it's, it's a really interesting topic. I think there's a lot to say about it, but I need to cut it down to a really short <laughs> if you we've got loads of time guys don't worry about that <laughs> mm. okay does anyone else have any other comments for michael no i just sort of want to agree with one of the things that selma said here that you know sometimes this problem is just difficult right that people do outgrow their situation and and need to move on and you need to be open to that as well right yeah, exactly. You do get this exodus kind of when a startup goes from one scale to another, and, and mm. that's unavoidable. But uh, there, there is, of course, a level where you can also retain some talents, and, and that's a yeah, really good discussion. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Right, Michael, do you have any final thoughts on this discussion? No, I, I thought it was a great discussion, a lot of good and interesting points. I also would have loved to hear more about uh, the, the, the trust part, because I, I actually would have wished to get a more discussion on that that Selma mentioned briefly. But uh, we are a bit pressed for time. So maybe, you know, in a different episode or something. <laughs> okay, we're going to we'll do another podcast about trust. Don't worry, guys. We're going to sort yeah, something yeah. out. Right, Nicholas, we're going on to your question now, which is quite a nice question. It's quite simple and straightforward, which is, I think a lot of leaders can forget about. And I love the way you brought this up. So Nicholas brought to the table was like, do you think it's necessary for tech leaders to step away from their area of experience to lead um, lead effectively? Apologies. So can you elaborate a little bit more, Nicholas, please? Yeah, it's, um, it's uh, this is something I, I have an uh, opinion on, but it's also <laughs> something obviously uh, with my background, uh, what I do during the days, but it's something that I see a lot of colleagues are struggling with outside of uh, my company. And uh, it's uh, also maybe something that's not really nurtured uh, by companies in a way. Uh, so uh, as a specialist doing great things, uh, uh, taking loads of responsibility and bringing things forward. Uh, uh, you can't spend all your days coding, but to what to what degree do you need to let it go and how much should you let it go uh, once you become a manager and is it different for different levels of management positions? Okay, fantastic. So uh, we'll go with Frederick first. What were your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this probably is a question that relates to all of us personally at some point you know we, we're all engineers and we've all been coding and at some point we decided you know there are other things in life that we also want to do and you know do I do I need to let go of the things that I think is so much fun and, and now and or, or can I or can I sort of do both right uh, I, um, I I mean my, my general response is no I don't think you have to and then to, to a largest extent I think you shouldn't at least not to start off with. I mean, I remember in my first management training, uh, there was this idea during that training that there was something, you know, you could be a manager uh, regardless of context. It didn't really matter what kind of teams you were running or in what kind of companies you were running. If you were a manager, you were a manager. Uh, luckily, that idea died away about 15 20 years ago, because it just doesn't work, right? You you need to understand your context. You need to understand uh, the uh, the environment in which your team operate in to be able to lead efficiently. I, I I think that's that's quite clear, at least in my mind. And um, I think also that one part of leading is taking responsibility for your team's output, and it's very hard to do that unless you understand what's actually going on, and even partially contributing to that in, in some way, right? It doesn't have to be that to contribute using doing code, but I think you need to contribute in, in some way. Um, obviously, at some point, if you keep climbing the ladder, it's going to become difficult to keep writing code, uh, basically because there are so many other things that are going to start asking for your attention and your calendar is starting to fill up with other things and it's going to be hard to you know carve out those 
hours in a row that you need to focus on on problem solving. But there, I think there are other ways that you can keep your competence, at least to some extent, right? You you can still lead tech discussions or uh, lead uh, tech forums or lead uh, tech initi initiatives where you can sort of keep uh, learning and keep using your tech skills. Uh, but perhaps coding will have to sort of be done on your home project set uh, af after work hours. What are people's thoughts on Frederick's idea here? I, I think it's I think it's really great. And I think it's kind of this <clears throat> differing opinions on the topic, obviously. Like there are still some people claiming that uh, you don't have to have any any tech knowledge, for instance, in order to lead a tech team or no context knowledge. And, and you know, I, I'm not going to debate the opinions here. I, I'm just going to say that in my experience, like having led teams and, and leaders that lead teams, this has been one of the most important things, like among all the other, like not, not the most important thing, obviously, but uh, it's been incredibly helpful. Um, so I, I fully agree on that, that this is important. But I was thinking also, like Niklas also asked the question a bit, like, how, how far can you retain maybe being productive? I don't know if I, I interpreted you right, Niklas. Like how far could you retain being active and producing maybe even as you're managing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And all can like the, the border where you coding is going to cause trouble for your your team. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. and of course, like given the, the role power and the position you have, of course, and what does that mean for the team that you produce too, of course, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I just thought it's really just a team size limiter, I guess, right? Like, yeah. if you want to be productive, I guess you can't have as many direct reports as you would have without. But the only thing I could think of is it is a bit of a focus stealer, though, because like it's two different focus areas, I guess. Like one of them is 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 production, and other other is growth and coaching. And of course, there are similarities. I I, I like to say there are similarities between writing code and leading people, but uh, that's a different discussion. Um, but that's I guess the downside that that it splits you in two in in some ways. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Okay, Selma, what were your thoughts on Nicholas's question? I think it's about. Um knowing and understanding what is core to the leadership role and what is not core. So in the core, there are, of course, um, coaching and helping people in the team or in the teams and um, looking at the processes, reevaluating re the organization, etc., etc. And then, then the non-core to me is developing or coding. If there is an opportunity to do it and there is room to do it, yes, but it has to be for being passionate about coding, um, wanting to continue, you know, doing that, but not from a place where it's about controlling what the team does, um, because that will introduce mistrust, I think. There are engineers in the team, there are tech leads, architects, I'm sure, that are completely focused on the engineering part. Um, and I think I've let go of that a long time ago, so I don't do coding myself. I'm, I'm more focused on on um, more of a, a people and processes leadership uh, in my case. Uh, but I absolutely agree with Michael that understanding, uh, having a background as an engineer is definitely very important to understanding and relating to the challenges of the team and of the organization from an engineering point of view. Anyone got any comments for Salma there? That's a good, good, good answer. Uh, you touch upon something that is a, a little bit at the heart, and why I've, I don't want to step away, at least not, not right now. And that's that's the coaching part. Uh, I haven't been able to wrap my, my head around really how to continue coaching developers, uh, being better developers, uh, without developing. Um, that's 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 something that I. It's really hard for me. For me, are they? I wonder if they are like senior developers who can mentor and help the other developers. Do they have forums, the developers, where they um, help each other grow, explore new tools, look at the code, try to think out of the box, like oh, we need to improve this or that, help each other in that perspective without you. Yeah, definitely. But the, the senior developers, they'll, they'll be also be leaders. So they'll need the combination of being a developer and a leader in, in their coaching, I think. Um, and, and I guess, Niklas, like kind of my, my question is, 
uh, or, or if I can just jump in. So are you saying that you think it's necessary for you to produce code at, at work to coach or or rather would it for instance be enough for you to just stay up to date because that part i really think is super important obviously but uh, but the, maybe like the production of code at work is that important too and uh, not not in the sense that it's it's my effort that's going to make or break uh, the output of the of a team no no but for um, the coaching that you mentioned kind of yeah, I think I think it's hard to stay up to date without practicing it in uh, in day-to-day -day production use, uh, and it's uh, I think it's the same effort, staying up to date and doing doing some coding. And oh, that, that is a good point, actually. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I think Niklas, you're perfectly right. I think it's going to be very hard in the long run to coach people to become better coders unless you're doing it yourself. But but maybe that's a choice you need to make at some point if if that's a part of the leadership that you you want to focus on, right? Um, I think it's probably boils down to that, right? Uh, if you that there are other ways to coach people, right, in other areas where are not, you know, producing code, code part, and and um, yeah, I think it comes down to that more or less. Just one more comment from my side. I think that uh, you being the CTO, right? You're the CTO, right, yeah. Nicholas? You being the CTO um, and taking part of coding and thinking part of the zoomed in conversation when it comes to engineering. Um, I, I, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of development. I'm sure that you're a great leader, but how enabled autonomous trusted do the engineers feel if you're zoomed at that level? Yeah, it takes takes a lot of hard work and being very, very transparent and very, very honest about my own shortcomings because uh, but it, but, uh, but it's something that it, it's I think I've succeeded in that now. I have to be really careful with it when we have junior developers or new hires uh, thinking about it. Uh, but uh, if you've been with us for at least you know a couple of months, uh, I'm not going to it would be ignorant of me to say that it's never going to be an issue or it's not an issue, but uh, it's uh, it's just one of those things with with trust you you just have to, keep showing and keep showing uh, that uh, in this sense when i'm working like this i am you know a developer uh, and you uh, you're probably going to actually get better feedback if you comment on it or tell me i'm done stupid things mm. uh, Michael, yeah, sorry go on Frederick. yeah sorry yeah, yeah yes i mean obviously there are risks to it also but i mean there are also clear upsides right i mean uh, if you at some if you believe that you're a tech company at heart uh, having uh, tech leadership uh, with with an understanding of what's going on uh, on the details is of course uh, of great value right okay michael do you have any other comments for nicholas on for this on this question no i, I thought it was a very enjoyable discussion it's so funny because we were discussing it in our tech management group just this morning as well this exact same topic so it was a nice connection for me to go from there to here okay fantastic what i'm actually going to do there is i'm going to sort of jump in here because obviously i'm not a manager and so i'm going to give you a bit more of my perspective when my boss knows a bit more about me and their field so from my perspective it's quite nice to I come into the office and have my manager or even my director behind me knowing exactly what I'm doing and coaching me throughout. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly new with this role. I've only been doing it for about six months. So it's quite nice as a new employee to understand that a director or a CTO knows the struggles that I might be going through. I might be able to help me on certain issues. Sometimes when it comes to a manager, they might just be like, oh, I'm just looking after people. I don't understand the job. And you're like, okay, you're looking after people, but sometimes I need that guidance. And it's quite nice to have that coaching effect and uh, from the, especially senior management. Because when you're a very small fish like myself and a senior manager comes over and says, okay, try this, try that, I feel valued. But I don't know, because I've just thrown this in there to the podcast. Um, you guys are senior management. You guys learn a lot more than me. I do. I am a very new fish to a very big pond, um, but I always like to learn. But yeah, that, that's, that's just my input there, guys. Sorry. If you have any comments on that, you can just say what you want. <laughs> no, but I think you, I mean, I think you're making a great point, right? And I can relate to that myself, right? Uh, I think it's, it's, uh, it's great to have a manager with, uh, with a set of experiences that are re relevant for the discussion, right? So you can bounce things off and, and learn, right? That's, 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 that's great for anybody, I think. 
Oh, fantastic, fantastic, thanks. Uh, right, Nicholas, do you have any closing thoughts on this? Oh, I should have something really weird to say. No, <laughs> it was interesting listening to everybody and uh, uh, hearing, hearing your, your point of view and your experience about it. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Right, we'll move on. So the next person that is coming up for the question is Frederick. And it's another long question, guys. So just bear with me after I read it all out. Um, so Frederick came to me and he said he wants to talk about a concept that's often talked about in leadership discussions is employee engagement and perhaps not well, very well defined. It is easy to relate to and understand why it is very important. The question is, how do you increase employee engagement in a given team? What are some of the principles or the tools that you, we would use? Frederick, do you mind if you just elaborate a little bit more, please? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is sort of one of my my key questions that I am pondering on a lot, right? And employee engagement, I think there are a lot of reasons for why you want to work with it. It's uh, partially because uh, it's a good way of increasing the general happiness and productivity of teams. Uh, it helps people stay on and thrive and, and, and grow. So, um, you know, any, any tips and tricks that people have on how to, how to work with these concepts, I, 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 um, I really want to learn. Okay, fantastic. Right, Selma, we'll go with you first. Well, I'm thinking as I was listening to Frederick about this topic, I think there are different things that can be done, uh, whether in the team specifically or on a company level. Um, first, I mean, it, it, from having a clear mission and clear goals to giving people the opportunity to, to, to speak and to be part of taking decisions, um, coaching people, coaching individuals closely, um, helping them grow as well, um, making sure that they have the right focus, but they also have personal goals that are aligned with the, their team goals or the company goals. Um, I'm just saying a few ideas here and there. Mm -hmm. it, it's really like a, a, really a notion of things that can be done, but then is there like a par particular context or scenario? So, so maybe we could turn around the question then, because it, uh, I, I, well, I, I take it that you also have a sense for what this is and that you think it's important. So what are some of the things that you are personally, what are some of your favorite tools yourself? I mean, if you would enter a new team, what, what are some of the things you actually would be you know, looking for and, and implement in order to increase employee engagement? Uh, if I would enter a new team, I would ask how they feel. Uh, do they understand why they are doing what they are doing and delivering what they're doing? Do they have a purpose? Uh, do they believe in the team's mission? Uh, what they think about their specific roles? Uh, are they proud of what they do? Are they happy about it? Do they need support in their ways of working and processes? So I would start exactly like you said, Frederick, on the team level and try to unearth uh, whatever rooted or whatever hidden uh, mis discomfort or, or problem or challenges in that team to help them feel listened to and enabled and empowered and, and focused. Does anyone have any thoughts on Selma's quote then? I can just agree that, yeah, this is such a huge area, so it's so hard to, you know, pinpoint one thing you'd want to do. Yeah, and it's also really hard depending on where the where the team's at at the moment. Is it, is it a team that's struggling with this, or is it a team that's doing doing great and just needs to keep doing great? It's very 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 different. Hmm. I absolutely, I totally agree with that. So maybe we could make it a little bit more specific, right? Because there there um, there there the grades to this, right? So and um, I just be curious what some of your favorite tools would be, right? What what are you the stuff that you first would be looking for and making sure we're in place to make you know make sure that employee engaging start to happen. Right, Nicholas, we will go with you. What are your thoughts? Well, it's a hard hard, but uh, <laughs> some some tools <laughs> some tools that I like is uh, making sure what the team does is visible to other teams and uh, to the company overall. You know, we have a lot of digital tools that we use, make sure that we can brag at least each week about what we're doing. And, uh, you know, 
having the leaders in those team lift other people up, making them step forward. And, you know, this is something interesting. It could be also even even very, that's something we do at BookBeat. We do uh, semi-weekly semi a technical demo and a business demo every other week. So, but we can talk quite in depth about, uh, for instance, the domain, uh, how, how gift cards work. You can spend 20, 20 minutes talking to the entire company about that and maybe the developers or product owner, everybody that's been involved is going to talk a little bit about it and why it's also good for good for the company and why it's important for you in, you know, your non-developer or uh, other role to, you know, why this is good to understand how, how it's built and how it's better than it was before. Uh, so that's one part. Uh, Yes, but underlying classic, you know, uh, you need to have the uh, psychological stability in the team, uh, which I like to, you know, we got your back. That's and that's that's something you need to do multiple, multiple times with the team and with the individuals. Make sure that if something happens, you know, we we got your back because you, you're not going to have somebody that's motivated 100% of the time. Uh, every 365 days a year, uh, and you're going as a manager. You need to, you know, and as a manager at our, our level, you need to also work with our sub managers to make sure that uh, we can let people be people for you know those those times in their lives where things are harder when there there are other things uh, coming into play, so that uh, once those issues are resolved and things things get better. Uh, you you can really focus and that also uh, gives a psychological stability to uh, dare to take a bit more risks and push a little bit harder uh, once you're doing it. Okay, anyone got any thoughts on this? No, we're all good. Okay, fantastic. So Michael, what are your thoughts on Fredericks? Well, I was so excited when I saw this question because because obviously it's really on everyone's mind. It's such an important topic uh, too. Uh, so, so I'm just going to do this. I'm going to answer what Frederick kind of asked for, what you asked for, Frederick. So, but I'm going to assume that the basic needs are covered. You know, psychological safety, enjoyable work environment, all of those things. And then I think my three favorite tools for for building engagement is is first, I think it's really important for everyone to be able to see impact on the company goals like to see their personal impact on this. And this this can be, for instance, accomplished through a really good goal framework like OKRs and also having really good team goals so that you can really see that you are helping the company thrive, you're helping the company grow. That builds engagement for me. I also think then, of course, tool two, then you really need the autonomy in delivering on this mission, right? Like you need to be able to actually reach your goals without, uh, without being hindered or without needing help externally. And then something that I've been thinking a lot about lately is, is also the big, big importance of like engagement with the company when it comes to having a tangible personal growth trajectory, meaning like a sense of progression, not just at the company, like you're going up the ladder, you're going up in your career, but also in your craft. So, so you have a sense of personal development as well. Um, so those three, I guess. Yeah, thanks a lot. Great examples. Uh, I, I just um, one of them with the uh, making it visible. I mean, Niklas, you touched upon that as well, right? Making things visible and making sure that the team's impact is actually seen. Uh, just one one build on that is I. It's even more powerful when you tie it directly all the way to customer uh, success or, or or happy customers or growing customers, so they get a direct feedback. Okay, we didn't just solve the problem or ticked off a goal. It actually impacted somebody outside of our our organization. That's usually quite powerful. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Does anyone else have any more comments on this? No. Okay. I'm just going to sort of throw a question out there regarding this. You guys have been talking about keeping teams um, motivated and how to engage with them. How do you keep managers engaged? That's a team. That's a question for the team. Is there such a big difference? Is kind of my my, my first uh, question um, compared to, uh, or I mean, you know, any talent really, right? Very good no, point, I, Michael. Also... <laughs> Very good point, Michael. I was just thinking about that. See, I'm just curious if that's all. Because obviously, like I mentioned, I'm a lot lower. I, I want to know 
what a manager's thinking, what a senior manager's thinking, and is there a much difference between being an employee, a manager, or a senior manager when it comes to motivation, or is it all in line? I mean, I don't think there is a big difference, but of course, then there's the, this big individual difference in what motivates yeah. an individual. And of course, maybe some people are very motivated by compensation and would enjoy stock options, warrants, you know, stuff like that. Um, but honestly, deep down, it, it's I, I think there is not much not much of a difference or not that I have seen leading leaders and teams. So, yeah, okay. Nicholas, uh, what are your thoughts? I think yeah, I totally agree with Michael there that it's uh, it's it's going to be very similar to motivate a leader as a team, but it's going to be huge differences between individuals what motivates them, um, and that's you know as a manager you know you're leading the individual, uh, so make sure that you know you talk and understand what is some the, the deeper drives what, what are the motivations for this individual and how does that align. Uh, hopefully it aligns with the company values and what you want to do. Otherwise, you're going to have a problem. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Thank you, guys. Um, Frederick, are you got any closing thoughts on your statement? No, I mean, thanks a lot. I mean, this was a good discussion, a good, uh, good input, right? I agree that the question is kind of broad, and there are a lot of things you could poke in, and it, you probably have to put it in a more uh, smaller context to make it relevant, right? But I mean, just, uh, just uh, really good to hear what people's uh, thoughts about this. Okay, fantastic. Uh, if I may <laughs> jump in, sorry. Uh, something that I thought about while we were talking about is obviously giving a team a challenge. You know, something yeah. that is uh, really difficult but doable. Uh, can't do it all the time, but uh, that's something that uh, really can drive motivation and a sense of uh, pride for what you're doing is to you know finish hard tasks. Mm. Well, I think that's a great point as well, Niklas. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. Right. Last but not least, the last quote that came to me was from Selma. Now, Selma came with me and said how to find a balance between a, the company work culture and a, com a country culture, for example, Swedish culture. Can you elaborate a little bit more, please? Yes. So it's it's um, it's a topic that I've been thinking about and I can give a few examples. Uh, a company culture, a company work culture can be represented by the values that it, that the company stands for. Uh, for example, being proud, some some common values that I've seen, be, being proud, being decisive and assertive and being brave, etc. And I'm thinking about these values um, in contrast when they are not aligned with the country culture or when they are not very not in contrast but not very light for example brag be proud of what you do and be secure in your competences and, and role versus um, modesty in the Swedish culture uh, is low for example um, being assertive and decisive versus um, very constant decision making um, and taking quite a bit of time sometimes to take a decision based on that. Uh, being brave versus avoiding conflict, which is something that is that I have witnessed is quite strong in our Swedish culture. How do you work with this? How do you coach people and, and teams and your organizations? Okay, cool. We'll go with Michael first. Oh, no, why me? I'm still thinking. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, no this was such an interesting question, Selma. Uh, I, I, really fantastic also example this. If your company value is is uh, pride or, or uh, maybe assertiveness and then compare this with, with this, for instance, Swedish culture of modesty, right? How do you make sure? And the first thing that came to my mind is I, I think it's so important because this this Yanta's law, right? This This modesty is really this huge cultural indoctrination and really the the i guess the best way for a person to be able to step out of that is to try to somehow create a very safe space where it feels okay to step out of this out of this i don't know indoctrinated state something you've been taught since you were a little kid uh, to be able to say hey i did this and it went really well i i, I did such a good job on this and i'm so proud of that um so I do think, like, obviously, psychological safety, but somehow create a safe space. I don't have a good answer, though. This was a really good question. Okay, fantastic. Does anyone have any thoughts on Michael's views there? 
No, pretty quiet. Okay, we'll go to the next person. Um, Nicholas, what were your thoughts on Selma's question? That's an interesting question. I was uh, thinking about it when I read it before, and I was, uh, but uh, it was much, much easier to understand now in regards to, you know, Swedish culture and, you know, some of the values that are in direct opposition to yeah, having uh, uh, individuals who are very skilled at what they do and uh, working together with, with other individuals. Because, for instance, if we're talking about being there's one thing being humble, but if you can't, you know, say that you've done something good, it's it's a lack of communication. Um, uh, no, nobody else is going to know that they're you're the guy to go to for this, and uh, it's uh, hard for maybe somebody else to. If you undervalue your own achievements, it's going to be hard for a junior to understand what kind of, what went into this achievement. Uh, so how, how to repeat an achievement that you say is not an achievement um, and it's it's I guess it is really difficult the, the one thing you can I guess you, you could do uh, is when uh, you see somebody doing something positive first you know you need to uh, tell them that it's a, it's okay to be to be proud about this and it's uh, again same as safety you know keep repeating it, giving positive feedback uh, about these small things. And it's also some some of these are very personal, like personal traits. Some are going to be much more reluctant in uh, doing this. And then you maybe need to talk about it when you're coaching them, uh, because it, it's, it's not a problem that you're, you're not talking about this, uh, but it becomes a problem and you would do better in the company uh, if you would be able to, you know, spread what you're doing in a, in a wider uh, area of influence um, to be able to make it a concrete goal. You know, this is what you're missing out on because I, I, I don't think there's, there's not man, that many people or companies that want to be, have a lot of uh, employees just bragging for the sake of it. It's because there, there's a reason for it. Does anyone have any views on Nicholas's quote there? No? Okay, <laughs> guys can just say no, it's perfectly fine. You don't have to stay silent. Okay, and then Frederick, what, what are your thoughts overall then? Yeah, I mean, thanks Selma for asking this question. It's been with me all week, actually. I, I, it gave me a lot of food for thought. Um, I think it's a very good question. Um, the first thing that came to my mind is that uh, actually, as a company, you, you kind of need to decide what kind of culture you want to have right uh, just because you're in a Swedish society doesn't mean that you necessarily need to inherit uh, Swedish culture uh, I think there's a larger diversity between between Swedes than than actually uh, common ground when it comes to those things so uh, for me it starts with recruitment you need to decide what kind of culture you want to have and you want to be prepared to measure people uh, when they come in through the door whether they are actually want to be a part of that culture that you're trying to create or not. Um, and be a little bit brave, right? Uh, if you feel that, uh, yeah, this might be the right skill set, but uh, we're, we're not certain about they're going to share the kind of behaviors and the kind of values that we want to try to create, maybe maybe it's not for you, right? Um, and uh, second thing that came to mind was uh, this is a lot. I think this has a lot to do with leading by example, uh, because if you as a leader exhibit the values that you want your reports to to exhibit, then you know the only way to do that is, is to lead by example. And I think it it is contagious. Uh, I think we 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 all we all seen that. Um, and the third thing that I thought of. I think it's really good to make the behaviors that you'd like to see super explicit and part of your uh, development program, basically. You know, what are the behaviors? I mean, examples of behaviors that you want to see uh, and talk about that. Um, all right, so we, we want people to uh, uh, communicate uh, personal and team successes in in a good way right so yeah okay so discuss that during development talks how what did that look like for the past period and and uh, what could it look like for the coming period so you're being very explicit with people about you know what kind of behavior 
uh, do you want to see? And uh, I think that um, cultural and societal values, I mean, they're, they're not they're not that rigid, right? People can, uh, there is a spectrum within which everybody can move quite a lot, I think. So uh, yes, you just have to help them move in the direction that you think is, is uh, where you want your company to be. Okay, great. Does anyone have any thoughts on this? These are great, great tips, I think, um, from giving positive feedback to uh, being a role model is so important. And, and just like you uh, share, uh, shared with us now, Frederick, uh, we said we can set the stage as leaders for the type of culture that we want in a company and call out when there are behaviors or values that are not aligned immediately uh, with that culture. And uh, recruitment is a very important step as well, I think. Uh, cultural fit in the re recruitment and personality as well are um, very much needed. So we only, the competence is important, but the cultural fit is, is key, I think. Thanks for sharing all of these tips. Great, and I know we're reaching on recruitment there, like from my perspective, even with consultants, a lot of clients that I'm dealing with now will have at least two interviews. They'll have a technical interview and a cultural interview just to see if they were fitting with the team. Even if it's a consultant for three, four months, they still want to ensure that the, it, it works well with the team because ultimately the team's more efficient then everyone's going to be happy. Um, so I totally agree with you. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah recruitment is su super important. Uh, and it's also every, every, every upside has a downside. So you know, maybe not just trying to get the candidates uh, culture, but, you know, be brutally honest about your own company culture. You know, we think this is important, but, you know, doing it this way means that we don't think that this is as, as important. And is this something you want to bet the next couple of years of your lives on? Okay. Does anyone have any closing thoughts here? No? Okay, great. Summer, do you have any closing thoughts at all either? The culture topic is so broad and, and interesting. <laughs> I would like us to to sit, you know, in in a, in a virtual fika, and when Corona times are over, and we maybe in a face to face fika and talk about this because I think super interesting point of views and tips from all of you. I'm very much looking forward to the invite. So am I, guys. I so am I. Don't, don't forget about me. <laughs>